This is Off The Court and welcome to Monday Morning Wisdom. Morning everybody. Slightly different tack this morning. I'd like to share with you a story that I wrote a few years ago after my meeting with the Dalai Lama in 2015. So sit back and enjoy. Meeting the Dalai Lama, July 2015. Tenzin was always polite in his replies by email, but then again I would have expected nothing less from the long-term serving secretary for His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Each reply over the 15 years that I'd written to him had cited the Dalai Lama as elsewhere, either in the USA teaching, once in Europe, and on one occasion sadly in hospital for exhaustion. So, it was with a pleasant surprise that in May 2015, Tenzin said that there was a possibility His Holiness the Dalai Lama would be home in McLeod Ganj in northern India on the same days we were to be in town. As time got a little closer, Tenzin confirmed that once I reached McLeod, I should visit him at the office to get permission for a possible blessing with His Holiness. Our modest guesthouse in the heart of McLeod Ganj was run by a beautiful Tibetan family who had caught wind of the possible blessing, and the wife of the family asked me if she might join us as she had not yet met the Dalai herself. Since 1959, Tibetans have risked their lives each day to escape their homeland Tibet in search of a place where they can live without fear of oppression a place where they can speak their own language, observe their own traditions and respect their spiritual leader, the Dalai Lama. So many follow in the footsteps and traverse the mighty Himalayas to McLeod Ganj, where the Tibetan government also lives in exile. Thousands of refugees take this journey each year still. Our guesthouse owners were examples of this, as they still patiently awaited the opportunity to meet His Holiness and receive His blessing. The Dalai Lama lives in a modest house set within the grounds of the temple and monastery, where meditation, afternoon debating rituals and Tibetan monastic life pass by. Pilgrims peek through the gate in hope of catching a glimpse, and if you're lucky, you might find yourself in town when the Dalai Lama is in. And guess what? I, along with our school group, was lucky. I entered a small office and asked for Tenzin, clutching my email from him. A well-presented man appeared, smiled and shook my hand firmly. There was no trace of Tibetan in his perfect American accent, and he told me that we would be able to join the blessing line the following day. I was ecstatic. We would be amongst pilgrims and His Holiness would slowly walk by, offer us a blessing, a kata, and then a photograph as well. I tried to contain my excitement by checking formalities about what we should wear, what we should bring with us and whether it would be appropriate to bring His Holiness a present for his recent 80th birthday. We were to attend at 7.30 in the morning with no bags, phones or other devices and security would check us. Later in the afternoon, I acquired our katas for the group. These are the silk scarves that we would offer to the Dalai Lama and then he would present back to us. Once back at the guesthouse, I began to cut them into individual pieces for each member of our group. Pema, 
the guest house owner saw me struggling and instantly took over with her golden scissors. Each cutter was then folded with incredible precision, taking both of us to hold each end, whilst Pema zigzagged her folds slowly until each scarf was a concertina of silk, ready to be opened in an instant, ready for His Holiness to drape over each of our necks. She painstakingly did this for each of the 28 scarves, not sacrificing a second on each fold, ensuring every cutter was truly worthy. A true lesson in devotion. Pema did not know yet whether she'd be able to join us in the morning to receive her long-awaited blessing, but she did know that she could be part of our blessing by carefully preparing the scarves. As always, each day was jam-packed with activity with time for personal reflection and working on the school project that we did, but everything would take a back seat for our possible audience with His Holiness. Arriving at the monastery the following morning was strangely less formal than we expected. There was a hotchpotch waiting area that always amused me, odd armchairs scattered through a series of rooms with a very odd office arrangement behind. I couldn't distinguish visiting pilgrims from staff other than Tenzin, our new best friend, who clutched his smartphone and hurried everywhere. Having received our list the day before, there was no need to do anything other than wait. Outside, along the wall of the property, we began to queue along with many others. The pathway led up to a gate, and beyond this was the home of the Dalai Lama. Each of us clutched our katas as we were joined by several hundred expectant pilgrims from all over the world. Pema was already taking a different position along with her fellow Tibetans further up the line. Tenzin approached me on one of his many hurried walk-bys. Would I consider a private audience later in the morning with His Holiness? I stood, almost stuck. Had I just imagined it? Tenzin went on to explain that His Holiness enjoys opportunities to talk to different groups and had asked us whether we might join him for a more intimate meeting. It would mean a wait and no public blessing, but... I assured Tenzin we had no plans and that a private audience was indeed very agreeable. There'd be no issue with waiting. We'd arrived that morning expecting a public blessing and in a few moments' time we were to have one of the most intimate, incredible experiences of all, a private audience with the Dalai Lama. Soon, after the blessing line diminished, we were ushered into a modest room laden with a few chairs arranged in lines. I took advantage of the front row and our students chose their seats around me. A small group of Korean students sat next to us. In front of us was a chair facing us, not on a platform for any other reason than allowing us the opportunity to see who might be sitting there. The walls were blank, aside for one or two tastefully discreet Tibetan Buddhist images. There was nothing remarkable at all about the room. And then he entered, and the room changed. Every eye was firmly planted on the Dalai Lama. He in turn looked at each of us with such a natural curiosity that we all relaxed instantly. The first few moments seemed to suspend themselves in mid-air until the first question from a Korean student. He looked at the various angles of the question philosophically and drew from his vast experience to give a deep and layered response. And then it happened. 
the Dalai Lama acknowledged me and I asked my question. I'm sure you've experienced many frustrations in your life, I asked. How do you cope with this emotion? He diffused my question first by checking my nationality and then mimicked me as an Englishman and called me Queen. Our students fell about in laughter. He did so lovingly. It was impossible to take offence. The next 40 minutes flew by. The Dalai Lama's eyes moved around the room in an expert way as he navigated his way through the question. He broke it up into clever subsections, drawing from scientific research and personal anecdotes as well as Buddhist philosophy in his answer. He was so engaging and I was totally drawn into his words, which had a definite and clear warmth about them. He was able to answer the question from a personal perspective, drawing learning that I could relate to, and then from a community perspective, and how feelings like these can define those places we live. And finally he spoke on a global view. His words were captivating and powerful, full of truth and insight, truly inspiring. Very few role models live up to their own press. Very few and I'm struggling to think of one that could match the expectation you have should you be fortunate enough to be able to test it in a chance encounter like this. The Dalai Lama, though, is truly different. He's lived his life based on certain core values from which he has never deviated. Now, this is simple if you've never had to face serious adversity in life, but the Dalai Lama has faced the biggest challenges that any leader or person could face. Instead, he does not lay blame. He seeks out ways to rebuild. He does not criticise. Instead, he seeks out ways to learn. He is not bitter. Instead, he's truly joyful. I hope you enjoyed my story of one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Meeting somebody like the Dalai Lama, it's not just about encountering him in person, but just the opportunity to enter into dialogue with him and and really get to know how he thinks and the way he puts his thoughts together was was truly a, a special experience and I hope I've, I've captured it for you um, in that little story. Have a great day guys.